0: Hello, and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Amen. Well, someone sent, is that off? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Someone sent me a gift, and it's this this microphone here, so I'm going to give it a shot. I Mm -hmm. like having my hands free. I do talk with my hands Mm -hmm. a lot, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I would welcome your feedback after the service on how it sounds out there, and we'll just see what happens. I'm also hoping it picks up a little bit better audio for our recordings. If you ever can't be in a service, you can go on Anchor, and and all of our sermons are online there. We normally post them to our Facebook page right after service, too. So we're just going to see how it goes. Amen? Amen. Amen. We wrapped up a series last week um, talking about Christian essentials. Now this week, we're going to start something new. I think it'll take the whole month. We'll just kind of see where it goes. I've got an idea of some topics we want to cover. But it's February. And so we're just going to talk about love. Love, love, love. Oh, February, talk about love. Um, I do want to be fairly specific. And next week, I'm really excited about it. My wife does not speak very often. She has a lot of good things to say, but she does not like being up in front of people. I've convinced her to to team teach with me. And so we're going to be doing a... Uh, a session, a series, I don't know if we'd call it a sermon, but we're going to be looking at some scripture, we're going to be talking about uh, relationships, and that's a valuable thing to be in, whether you are currently married, not married, wherever you're at, because if you're not, and you're hoping to one day be, this is going to be good information. If you're not, and you don't think you ever will be, this is good information for you to help other people that are. So, come and be a part. Um. The following week, on the 21st, we're going to have uh, Brother Steve Hatter, which is our district Sunday School director. He's going to be with us, and he's going to be addressing the topic of loving and raising children in the church. Because I want to do the best I can to raise my kids to serve God, and we've all got kids. Really, for the most part, the majority of our church has kids within the same age bracket, and. Um, I think it's healthy to minister to the family. And then ultimately we're going to end and and we're going to wrap this up if the Lord allows me to do all of these. And we're going to talk about our love for one another and our love for the lost. But today we're just going to talk about love. Got to get rid of this echo or I'm just going to take the microphone off. I assume you're hearing what I'm hearing. (laughs) Testing. It's a little better. See how it goes. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, verses 35 and 36. Maybe it's up too high. Verses 35 and 36. Then one of them which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now that sounds like a fair question, doesn't it? If, if we were to only read the question, um, we could say maybe this guy's very sincere. Maybe he really wants to know what is, what is most important. God, what do, I, what do I have to do? But the context of the scripture lets us know that's not what's going on here. There's an individual that comes before Jesus. He's a Pharisee. The Sadducees were a different group. They were against Jesus in a lot of the ways like Pharisees were. We don't talk about them as much. One of their main things is they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in, in going to heaven. They, they just thought you're going to live this life and that's it. And so they come to Jesus and they try to trip him up in, in this fictitious story that they put together. And they said, master, they always come to Jesus with this flattery Master Master, the law says that if a man has a wife and he passes away then his brother should then offer to or, or to take that wife as his own and that way she's not left out by herself and she says but but we know of this situation and they're, they're making up a story and they said there was a, a man and a woman and they were married. And the husband passed away, and so the next eldest brother took her to wife. And a little while went by, and he passed away, and, and the next brother did this. And, and there were seven brothers, and it went all the way down the line. And this woman ended up married to, to all seven brothers. So in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? They're just they're playing mind games here. And Jesus kind of cuts through all of the baloney and just gets right to the heart of the issue, and he corrects their thinking. And the Pharisees were troubled by how direct his answer was. They they get together and they have a little council. And the Bible says one of them was a lawyer. And so he thought he had the right wording and the right terminology. And though the Sadducees failed, he's now going to cause Jesus to stumble in his words. They're going to ask him a question that there's no good answer to. And so when he tries to answer this, he's going to box himself into a corner and they're going to stand back and say, Ha, we got you. Now you you have no ministry left. And so he comes before Jesus. He says, Oh, oh, Master, which is the, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus answers in verse 37. I'm just going to say the first few words and then we will come back to the Scripture at the end. But Jesus says unto him, Thou shalt love. His statement starts with, Thou shalt love. This is just the beginning of the statement. We will come back here. But we have to start there. The the essence, the direction of His answer to what is the most important thing in the law. What is the the one thing I have to do? And Jesus' first few words out of His mouth is, "You, You have to... You have to love. In any trial, there is a key element of, of prosecution. And that is they they seek to expose why the accused would do what they've done. Right? What's that called? Accusation. They've made the accusation. Now they're trying to prove why you would do it. The motive. What is your motive? So if, if they say that, that Randy robbed 7-Eleven on his way home today... Well, why? Let's look at Rennie's finding. Maybe maybe Rennie needed the money. Maybe he just didn't like the club. Whatever. There's always got to be a motive, right? So we've talked about a lot of things over the last few weeks. Christian living. We've talked about having faith and developing a prayer life. We've talked about having mercy. We've talked about all these things that it's essential for us to do, but what is our motive? If you were on trial today and someone was saying, you're being accused of being a merciful person, or you're being accused of of reading your Bible daily, or, or developing a prayer life, or reaching out for a loss, any accusation, would they be able to find a good motive? A good motive in your life. What What is the thing that's driving you to do this? Okay. Could we answer as speedily and with such precision as to why we live according to God's Word? If someone were to corner you right now and say, "Okay, I want to know. I want to know why you do what you do. What's the reason? What's the purpose? What's the drive? Would we be able to articulate quickly and clearly why it is that we live for God?"
1: Amen.
0: Sometimes if we're not careful, we let our motives get out of line. And though we might not say it out loud to those that ask the question, we would we would have to in ourselves answer and say, "Well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I don't want to go to hell. That's a very bad motive to live for God. Because it's, it sets us up for constant failure. I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm looking for a way to escape judgment. I'm trying to avoid consequence. Well, that's only going to take me so far. It only goes so far. John answers like this. In first John four, sixteen through twenty-one. I'll give me a second to get there. First John four chapter chapter four verses sixteen through twenty-one. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Listen to what he says in verse 19. We love him... Because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, Thou sh- that he who loveth God love his brother also. He makes the simple statement. Why, why do you live for God? Well, I, I love him. Because he first loved me. It's the same thing we talked about, I was talking about a moment ago. In response to what Jesus has done for me, that's why I live my life for him. I do the things I do because I believe, according to his word, that they please him. I abstain from the things that I don't do because I believe, according to his word, that pleases him. I want to please him because I love him. Love is the motive, it's the driving factor, it's what pushes me forward. I'm going to read Paul's words, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. On the screen, you're going to see these in the King James Version. I'm going to read them uh, from the New King James Version, simply because you'll see um, King James is going to use the word charity, as, and, and that is love. That refers to love. But in our mind, so many times, if I use the word charity all the time, we think of, of giving things away which maybe that's what charity or, or love is, but love is what we're talking about. So New King James uses the word love. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now those are all pretty spiritual things. We're an apostolic church. We believe in speaking in tongues. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. It's what the Bible says. But Paul said, if I stand around and I can, I can eloquently preach to you in English, or I can, I can speak in tongues until the clouds part and Jesus comes back, and I do all of these things without love in my heart, I, I'm just racket. I'm just making noise. He said, if I've got great faith, and we talked about faith a few weeks ago, and, and faith to move mountains. He says, if I can, if I can literally speak to mountains and I, I have such faith, that they just run out of my way and I don't have love. It it doesn't profit me anything. I'm not accomplishing anything. He goes through several other other examples and he's talking to the church and he's telling them all of these things that we do, if I'm not motivated by the right motivation, if if my core isn't trying to accomplish pleasing God, if, if love is not what's driving me, it's not benefiting me. It's not helping me. That leads us to another question then. What is love? Love is a lot like when we did talk about faith. It, it's just out there somewhere. It's like this, this invisible blob that floats around and sometimes we get caught up in the middle of it. And Oh, we just love. We talk about falling into love like it's a pit. Like we're just strolling along and then we just fall into Love. I don't understand how people say they can fall into love, and then later they fall back out of love. Like, how do you fall into something and then fall back out of it? We, we talk about love. Is love just a mushy feeling that I get when I'm around someone? Is love best described by how I feel about my spouse, my children, my grandmother, or my favorite dessert? Because we use this word all the time. Oh, I love pizza. I love pizza. It's like, Really? you love pizza and I, and i love god but there's there's something different here like what is love we use the word so flippantly so easy, it just flows off of our tongue anything that we like we're inclined to declare that we love oh i love it but what does that mean what what, what is that is love something that's crafted between the sheets That's what our world says. You can, and I've seen none of our children are in here, but you can make love. Make it. Like it's something you fabricate in a factory somewhere. But yet, if we're honest, many times those actions take place and love remains absent. No, these things don't define love. Love is a disciplined decision to seek the best interest of another. Love has far less to do with our emotions than we as a society have defined it as. We're in February, right? So there's, it's a little bit cliche to be talking about the, there's going to be hearts everywhere, and there's going to be flowers and chocolates, and everywhere you go there's going to be like little lacy things. And, and it's just all this feel-good, feel-good stuff, and I don't have any problem with that. Man, if you're married, be smart. Go out and buy one of the little lacy cards and some flowers and some chocolate. All of these things. Do it all. Every bit of it. But that's not love. Love is, is far less of an emotion and far more of a decision. A conscious decision to make disciplined and intentional decisions to put the best interest of the other party ahead of your own. I'm going to choose to do what's right for you, there was nothing mushy and gushy and flowery about Calvary. It wasn't a feel-good kind of day. Jesus didn't say, "Oh, I just can't help it. I just want to go to the cross so bad." I'm just, I, oh, I just, it's just all. Over. No, he didn't do that. In fact, he he prayed in the garden. Oh, if there's any other way, if there's if there's any other way for this to happen, I, I don't want to do this. I, I don't, I don't want to go. And suffer and bleed and die. But nevertheless, because I love them, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. But because I love them, I'm going, to, I'm going to pick up that bean. I'm going to be marched through this city and spit on and laughed at. You don't see that on a Valentine's Day card. That's a decision that was made. Long before times ever got hard, there was a decision that was made. I love them. So I'm going to do this for them. That's what love looks like.
1: Yes.
0: Love is intentional, love is sacrificial. Yes. With this or this decision, sometimes it does come strong emotion. I'm not throwing all emotion out the window when we talk about love. There are times of great affection. That's that's wonderful. With this decision does come a level of attraction. And I'm not just talking about physically looking at someone and, and being attracted, although sometimes that's a part of it, but just like magnets, attraction. I want to be around people I love. That's where I want my friends. When you when you get to that place where all the walls can come down, and you can just be you, and you can just relax. I love to be around those people because I, I love those people. And so, let's take it back to motive. Like, why do you read your Bible? Well, because I know its I have to read my Bible. When, we, when our motive isn't love, we struggle to stay faithful. When my motive isn't love, I struggle to be faithful in my prayer life. Let's just be honest. When I'm just trying to do what I know I should do, it's really hard to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when all of a sudden I realize picking up my Bible and opening that up, that allows God to speak to me. Spending a little bit of time in prayer... That, that brings me into the presence. I get to be with the one that I love. And when that's my motive, it's easy to be faithful. And I don't try to define it. It's not like, oh, I have to set aside this 30 minutes and that's when I'm going to be with God. No, just all throughout my day I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm walking with Him and I'm living with Him. And He's, and He's a part of my life. And I'm taking it in. Why? Because it's, it's a relationship, not a responsibility. But in the absence of all of these feelings, love remains. When the mushy-gushy's gone and February's over and it's all said and done, love remains. I told you we're going to talk about loving our spouses. We're going to talk about loving our children. And in the context of family, let's just all be honest, there are times that the mushy-gushy's not there. There are times that what you really want to do is introduce the kids to... A switch okay there are times that you just want to go sit in the car and let them do whatever they're gonna do inside there are times that that wonderful spouse of yours is the last person you want to be around for about 15 or 20 minutes it's just the truth because we're all people and in those times love still exists love still remains love is what says you're driving me crazy kid but I'm still going to do what's best for you. Love is what says I'm sick of picking up your stuff, but I'm still going to do what's best for you. I don't want to go and do this thing that I have to do to provide for you again, but I'm going to do what's best for you. Why? Because because I love you. I love you. It's what drives me. Back to 1 Corinthians, maybe you're still there. I'm going to pick up at verse 4 and just continue to read in the New King James Version because we're talking about what is, what is love. It tells us in verse 4 that love suffers long and is kind. That's interesting things to put together. It suffers long and is kind. So it puts up with you and it's still nice. That's what love is. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. I'm going to stop there for a moment because these definitions are powerful in the context of our society. Our society has distorted the idea of love into what we oftentimes think of as manipulation it's a word that people use to get what they want from people that they don't really care about that's that's just the world we live in that's not true love it's it's just being thrown out there like bait and there's such an absence of love in our world that when we're on the wrong end of that we're so hungry to really receive true love that a lot of times we know it's not real, and we still take the bait. Because we we want to experience this thing called love. And so we end up hurt, or we end up hurting other people because we misuse one of the most powerful things that God has given us in our life. And that is love. It says it doesn't puff itself up. It doesn't parade itself. When people start to talk to you, and I'm just going to give some red flags here, but when people start to say things to you like, well, if you really loved me, hang on a second. Well, you see all the things I do for you because, because I love you. And what they're really saying is, is now you owe me. Now, now because, I've, because I've given you some love, now you owe me. That's not what love says. Love doesn't puff its chest out and say, I've been so good to you. Pull me up. That's not love. So we have to be able to first recognize what it's not. And then this also puts some checks into our life that if I find myself falling into those same traps, I've got to stop. Wait a minute. Where's my motive at? Because if, if those are the kinds of things I'm saying, then my motive is what I'm trying to get. Not the best interest of the person that I say I love. It says in verse 6, it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. I'm just going to modernize that a little bit more. Rather than rejoice, take joy in. Take joy in. True love lets me know when I'm wrong, and it takes joy when I'm right. True love does not come alongside and take joy in in parts of my life that are not right. That's why God can both have unconditional love and yet still not accept sin. He loves us to no end. He proved that on, on, on the cross. He went to the farthest point that he could to show us that. But that doesn't mean that he comes alongside of us when we're living like idiots and says, Oh man, you're doing so great. That's awesome. I love my kids, but when they're disobeying, I I would be a poor parent and I would actually not be loving them if I didn't say, you know what? When, When you misbehave, when you break rules, there are consequences. See, that's the loving thing to do because I don't want my kids to end up in a penitentiary somewhere someday because they didn't learn that when they were children. I love them. And so I'm not going to rejoice or take joy in iniquity, things that are not right, things that are wrong. Love sometimes speaks out against injustice. The Bible, in fact, tells us in talking about uh, our relationships one with another and our relationships with, with lost people to speak the truth in love. You know how you're not going to reach people or, or for God or even to build a relationship with them? Not by showing up in their life and saying, Man, you're a fool. You're an idiot. You're doing everything wrong. I don't know what's wrong with you. you got problems. Okay, you might expose some things in their life, but they're done listening to you. You wouldn't listen to them either. If, if somebody showed up and just just drove you down. But you know what? There's a big difference in somebody coming along and saying, say, hey, look, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've got some issues too, but I want to help you. I want to help you out. And, and there's something I noticed that it could be better. And when I speak the truth in love, now all of a sudden... My motive, again, is is right. It's not belittling somebody else. It's not dragging them down so that I look better. It's not pointing out all their flaws so nobody looks at mine. It's not being the hot shot with all the answers. No, the the motive is I care about you. And it paves the way for truth to actually be spoken. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It says in verse 7 that love... Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I made a note here, love is not fragile. Again, when we talk, we, we talk about it like it's this, this porcelain art that's sitting somewhere and it, it's so easy to break and it's so easy to destroy. And yet this says that it endures all things. It, it carries all things. It can go through some stuff love is tough love is, is pretty tough when you get right down to it when, when you're talking about real love this facade that's presented as love is pretty fragile because the instant I don't get my way or or something goes a little bit wrong or a better opportunity arises then the facade doesn't have the strength to get me through those kind of challenges but real love it carries you through some challenges That's why when you stand at an altar and you're marrying someone, there's those parts in there. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. In the good times and the bad. Why? Because you're communicating to them, I'm I'm committed. I'm not, this isn't a fragile relationship anymore. We're going to be able to travel through some hard times together. We're going to go through some stuff together. You don't say those things with your family, but when everybody else is gone, who's still standing there? It's your family. When friendships dissolve and, and relationships that you thought would last forever are, are in the history books, and you look around, it's your family more often than not. Because that kind of love, that's real love. That's love that says, man, that was tough. Now let's move forward. That was really hard. What are we going to do next? Where, where do we go from here? It doesn't break and shatter when it encounters a little bit of resistance. Verse 8 says, Love never fails. Puts that in comparison to some things. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it will vanish. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So, a little bit of theology here. This is talking about the coming of the Lord. When God comes back, there's not going to be need for words of knowledge any longer. We're, We're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to know what we need to know. There's no longer going to be need for someone to stand up and prophesy. There's no longer going to be need for speaking in tongues. And so some people read this and they go, See, see, tongues will cease. So you can't speak in tongues anymore. Well, that, that's completely out of context. Ask when people ask that, say, is knowledge ceased? Do we no longer know things? Prophecy? Is that ce-? no. All of these things are still active now. But when that which is perfect has come, when Jesus Christ returns and we're taken out of this world, all of those things are, are no longer needed. But love. Never fails. Love is one of the few things that we can encounter and experience in this life that has the ability to transcend eternity and enter into heaven with us. There are very few things that you can say that about. Love is eternal. Love never fails. He says in verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. That's a good thing to do when you're a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest is love. The greatest is love. Let's go back to Matthew 22. We've got the stage set. They're trying to entrap Jesus. They're trying to, to paint Him into a corner and get Him to say something stupid. That's really what they're, they're attempting to do here. And He's already answered them. I read the first few words of verse 37. That's where I'm going to pick up and continue to read from. It said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets they thought they had him cornered surely he can't I mean if he says that this law is more important than that law then we could twist his words this way if he goes this direction and, and, and walks down this avenue and says these laws are most important, then, then we can paint it out and make it look like he doesn't care about these laws. You know, Jesus has the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to summarize it all for you. The Old Testament, you start to read through there, there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. And that's the law that they're referring to. That's a lot of laws. You imagine waking up in the morning thinking, okay, i got to remember it. i got to make sure I live by all... Over 600 of these things. Can't mess anything up. Okay? Jesus comes along in the New Testament, and He doesn't eradicate the Old Testament. He multiplies it. Because now it's not just about what you do. It's about what's in your heart. It's about what goes on in your mind. And now we're like, wait wait a minute. First I couldn't murder my brother. Now if I have hated my heart, I've already murdered my brother. Now, now there's, there's more rules. God summarized it for him in the Old Testament when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. All of those multitude of, of laws could be boiled down to and fit into the categories of the Ten Commandments. Okay, well that makes it a lot easier if I just hold true to these ten things. Jesus takes it even further in the New Testament he says, I'm going to tell you two things. If you'll do these two things... You will fulfill all the law. He said they hang. It's like you you drive in a nail into the wall, and you can take the weight of the entire law, all of the expectation of God, and you can hang it on these two things. He said, "Love God. That's the first thing you got to do. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You, you've got to love God, because if I love God, I'm not going to go out and transgress His laws." Yeah. If I love God, I'm going to do the. Th- I'm going to spend time with Him. I'm going to do the things that He He likes. Why? Not because I have to. Because I love Him. I want to. It's it's a labor of love. And then He says, "Oh, and also, love your neighbor as yourself." If you do these two things, everything else will fall into place. You look at the Ten Commandments. They all fit. You're you're either doing things out of love for God or love for people. You go all through the Old Testament, break down the laws, look at the teachings of Jesus. Everything fits within these two commandments. It so set them on their heels that all these people that had gathered together to to question him and try to trap him. I love the way the Bible puts it. It says that they they left there and no man asked him any more questions. They're like, alright, we're done. This guy's got it under control. We're not going to trap him in his words. He really does know what he's talking about. Like. I'm not going to look like an idiot anymore trying to, to paint Jesus into a corner. Mm-hmm. And he boils it down and, and he just simply says, You gotta love. What do you gotta do? To you? you gotta love. Love me and truly love each other. It's so simplistic and yet it's woven into the fabric of everything God expects from our lives. Everything God wants from you can be traced back to the word love trace back to the motive of love. Many times we find ourselves praying for strength to withstand temptations or trials. God, help me not to do this. Help me to do that. When maybe our prayer should be, Lord, strengthen our relationship. God, help me help me to love you more. Check my heart, because if I get that right, if I, just, if I can just take care of this, this love thing, then and I'm not going to have to worry about this temptation that's just pulling on me all the time. If I can get this love thing right, then, then all these other issues, the trials I'm going through, yeah, they're probably still going to be hard, but, but, but our, my love will carry me through this. I can get through it with, with love. If my love is strong, I'll keep His commandments. In fact, He made that statement to His disciple. He said, do you love me? And it wasn't until the individual he was talking to responded, Yeah, Lord, you you know I love you. Okay then, you can go out and feed my sheep. Let's get the love thing right first, and then you can go out and minister for me. In another spot, he simply says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, if we're not careful, we'll read that through the manipulation mindset that we're used to. Like Jesus is standing up saying, if you really loved me, you would do all these things. But no, he's saying it's a byproduct. It's a result. Right. If you love me, you will naturally keep my commandments. Right. You, he's not manipulating you. He's just informing you that if if love is right, if you've got the heart right, right. then my commandments are going to be easy. Yeah. It's going to be so easy to live for you. Or, yeah, to live for him. It's going to be so easy for you to live for him. Right. Because I've got the heart of the matter right. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about, like I said, spouses and children and neighbors. But first he said, you got to love me. you got to love me. And so I'm going to close the service. We're going to have a time of prayer. I would just encourage you today to evaluate where you're at with God. Really think about and process what has been my motive as of late. When I set my goals for the year, what was, what was driving that? Relationships that I have right now, what's, what's driving me? What is the what is source of my motivation? What spurs me on? Why did you come to church today? That's a really weird question for the pastor to ask. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. But I hope you're here because you love God. I hope you woke up and said, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to go spend time with your people. I'm going to go and worship you today.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I hope you're not here out of uh, some kind of spiritual obligation. This is an opportunity. All the things that you're trying to do right now to to strengthen yourself spiritually, your prayer life, your Bible reading, fasting, all all of these things that you might be doing, where is your motivation? Because if you love Him, you will keep His commandments. It will just happen. Let me give you time to pray. Let me talk to God. We've got to get this right <clears throat> so that we can move on to loving others. for listening to our podcast this week we hope you enjoyed this message remember if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us please go online to fergusunited.org and also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app that way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes thank you very much and we hope you have a great week god bless you